episode 133 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about Builders High and R Eco Plus. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about two small box games from Japan. As we mentioned during the episode, these could be hard to find, especially in English. We'll have links in the episode description. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about Builders High and R Eco Plus. You know what you get when you have a construction worker that waves at you? No. A builder's high. Okay. It's, I almost, you were taking so long to come up with something. I was just going to say, it's, it's a double review. It's what we're doing today of two small box games that we got at Gen Con from a Japanese publisher called Hobby Japan. I've since found out that you can go on Japanese Amazon and order these along with one other game in a lovely box set. Oh, we don't have a lovely box set. We we might. <laughs> I didn't order. I, I didn't order. I didn't By order. By the time the episode drops, it'll be at the house. But it was it was cool, and honestly, it wasn't as much as I thought it would be. It looked like it was going to ship to our house. Was it thirty seven dollars? I don't remember, but I know that it plus the shipping oh. was not unreasonable for what I would spend on a pack of board games. I don't know if you ordered that, if you would get the English rules, which we did when we went to Gen Con. They were, I think one of the games, they passed it out separate, maybe both of them. And I think they gave me a pack of cards as well. Anyway, the two games are Builders High and R Eco. I think it's R Eco Plus. Yeah, there's two games in that box. Yes. So there's R Eco and Plus, I guess, is what we're doing. I don't, I don't think that's how they're named. There's a red set of instructions and a green set of instructions in that one. We actually played Builders High first, so let's go over that one first. They both have like this, I guess, a city kind of theme to them. It yeah. feels very, yeah, feels very urban. Builders High, you are trying to get rid of all of your cards. Yeah, it's like, it's not like Go Fish. You think it? It's, it's not like, like it's not like that at all. But it is like. Well, well you're saying it like it is. Well, because you know, in Go Fish, you try to like pair up and get rid of your cards. And in this, and in this game, you have to pair the value of your cards with the cost of additional cards, right? Like that's the. Yeah. So they're building cards that are going to be in the middle, regular card market kind of scenario, and it's seven cards. I think it can be more because those building cards have different unique actions on them. Uh, when you build one, it's either a lightning bolt action, the nearly universal board game symbol for do this right away and just the one time, or there is a hand, which looks a lot like a stop, but it means that you, once you are in possession of that card in front of you, once you've built that building with the exact right amount of currency, which also comes on cards, you uh, can use that action as you see fit during your turn. And it will be things like adjusting the price, which really helps because you have to pay the exact amount. Yeah, and it's an things. optional adjustment of price. So like if it's if you have one of those and it's like, oh, you can take two off of the price, then I can buy something for 15, for 13 or 15. And I might want to buy it for 15 because that's the cards I have. And you're, yeah, it's a card you have because you have to. It's not like you just don't get change back. You have to have the exact amount. Right, and there's just two, five, and 10, right? Are the are the are the two five and ten are the denominations of the money cards. So there's two stacks of cards. There's all the building cards, and then there's the money cards. You get dealt a few at the beginning, and then on your turn you can take uh, a face up money card, a face up city card. Mm-hmm. You can exchange money card, can't you? Yeah, you, or you just get money cards. I think. I thought there was a thing. Is it just get? I thought you had to 
put one down and take one. Oh, maybe so. I thought you just got one. Don't, I mean, as always, read, read the, the rules. Read the, read the rules. But that's face up. And if you take things that are face down off the deck, you get to take two. But then you don't know what you're getting. And this whole game, while that may be um, something that you've heard in other games, it makes it a little more interesting in this one because you're trying to get rid of all your cards. So to be taking something blind is a bit more of a risk because you don't know what you'll get stuck with that you'll then be trying to figure out how to get rid of. You can't get rid of building cards very easily. No, but you're but not really... the money cards... You're not trying to get rid of building cards necessarily. You're trying to... You play. have to get rid of all your cards. Yeah. So you are trying to get rid of building cards. I thought you played the building cards in front of you and like that wasn't part of your hand. They're in your hand. Oh. They're in your hand. Right, it's your been... Hand. We were going to it's record this right after we played and then life. And so it's been about oh, a week. I do remember that they're in your hand. So if you draw... You're right. If you draw them from the top, that is very risky because then you yeah. have to come up with those denominations. And every one of the building cards has, I think, three copies of itself in the deck, which can be good or bad. They're very high value cards, which generally speaking depends on the denomination, makes it harder to complete them. And then there are some super low value cards. One of my favorite features of the game is that it lists the difficulty on the card. So for example, because it's two, five, and 10 are the denominations, 11 requires at least four cards to purchase. Yeah, it requires more cards. Because you have to have a five, two, two, so two. So it'll be a star rating at the top so, of the card. And it kind of points out to you the, the ones that are easy, ones, the that, are ones that are easy, like... You know, multiples of five are pretty yeah. easy. And what like 17 is a higher number, but it has less stars than 11 because you can do it with a, a 10, a five and a two. Mm -hmm. I like that aspect of the game where different multiples are more difficult and it's not super. Intuitive. And I imagine that there's something we haven't played it so much to dive deep into how the actions compare with the value on the mm -hmm. cards. But I'd imagine there's something there. And then the there's other thing that we haven't mentioned yet about winning. because you said you had to get rid of all of your cards. But you also have to complete one of the objectives. Like there's a common spread of goals. It's going to be one more than the number of people playing. We played it two, but I think it goes up to four, maybe five. And you have to also have one of those goals. If you get out, if you have no cards in your hand, but haven't claimed one of those goals yet, then you have not won. Right. Which adds a different element to it. Like, and just for example, like one of the goal, like the goal that you accomplished was build at least three buildings that cost above a certain amount. 20 maybe. And that was a, a relatively high cost for building. And then the one that I almost achieved, and then therefore, I think I did achieve it, but then I didn't run out of cards before you did, yeah. was have three yellow buildings and three red buildings. And I yeah. think, you know, it takes longer, but I could do cheap buildings. And, and there's maybe four types of buildings. And they otherwise don't really mean anything. I don't, I don't remember seeing any powers that were like, for every yellow building or for every red building. And there's no benefit for getting two bonuses. Uh, no, I don't know that you can even claim two bonuses. I don't think you can keep, you know, in a world where you got all three before the, your other, uh, oh, your opponent you got one them. and you block. I don't, I think you can just get one. We'd have to check them. You know what? Read the rules. But yeah, it's read a, the rules. It's a pretty fun kind of mechanic. It, it reminds me a lot of Traders of Osaka where the cards have, are like currency and thing, but they're not, it's not the same in Traders of Osaka. In Traders of Osaka, the currency and the goods are like the same card, but these are different cards. And I like this more, so much more, that I'm sending off Traders of Osaka to a friend. It's gone already. Oh, it's no, not, it's right it's there. No, I know the box, right. is, the box is taped. The box is taped. But when no, the episode drops, it'll be gone. It's not gone yet. Uh, yeah, I do like this more than that and more as a two-player game. But you're right. It's the, it is definitely similar. Having to have the exact amount and the way that you can exchange stuff. Sometimes you, when you pay your money, 
by the way, you pay it into the center of the table and it just stays there face up. So there's just like a face up discard. We separate it. I think, I don't know if the rules exactly tell you to do this. Okay. You separate it by denomination. So then when you start the game, there is no option to draw money from the table or from a face up. It has to be off the top of the deck if you want more money. And then as you keep playing, money becomes available uh, there where you can either take one or if you're trying to draw and you just need more money, you might draw two because like, ah, maybe I'll get the right amount. Like if I get two twos, that'd be perfect. Otherwise, I'll have to wait two turns and to you get had two a, twos you had a building where when i built the building with a cost to, where, where i had to pay a two denomination i had to pay you one of the two yes i got one of the twos very that could be bad for you like i could have given you stuck with the two and otherwise you could have gone out exactly and i like that balance of the take that elements of it are still weighed against the overall objective of the game where it feels like it's good until it's bad yeah i, I mean overall like you know midway card lightweight card game it's a little like you wouldn't like it's hard to like how do you weight the game it's like well i think if i had friends that weren't really into gaming they wouldn't like that game at all they'd be like eh, this is too much oh you but think? it's like just it's just one step above i think because everything is written on the cards even though sometimes that could be a hassle i like that it's not like a bunch of icons that i then have yeah. to decipher about like how this works i like that the instructions are just right there on the card so i think that's nice for uh, people who aren't so deep into board games that they're really used to those kind of hieroglyphics that make it. That also yeah. means that's why when I bought this game, I have like half the game in Japanese because the number cards right. are number cards. They they put them in what Arabic numerals. So we didn't need different cards for that. But all of the building cards have it written out in Japanese in the Japanese version. So there's that. And I know that that's usually why companies go for iconography versus text it's because it makes international versions much cheaper much, cheaper, much easier to produce i get that but i i think it makes it far easier if it is just printed on the card it gets pretty small on some of the cards oh it is it's quite small i mean you bring you bring your readers if you've uh, advanced any any bit past me in age or if you just don't see well that too you and they're black cards with white writing so you know those accessibility notes aside i think that's the only thing though the numbers are really big and bright on white um it also has kind of a i don't know if it's 90s it has a look to it that's like tech but not new tech kind of i think that's fine yeah yeah um so our usual questions for board game review because we're doing like a double review this time so uh let's go through is it good yeah yeah uh we kind of i feel like we kind of answered that when we were talking about the game because we were talking about how much we liked it what makes this game unique i like the idea of a get rid of your cards but fulfill a goal first i haven't seen a mechanic like that yeah that you like, can't just dump whatever and that it's not like you know you see a lot of games where there's like shared goals and you're trying to claim the goal first but it's not one where it's just like oh that's a condition for victory you have to do that before you can get victory and it's not really even connected to your victory yeah and i like for what the goals are it doesn't feel like there's only one you're going for. And then if someone claims it, you have zero progress towards the next one, or at least right. you could certainly, yeah, you, you could seeing all the goals be able to build progress in a way that doesn't push you completely out of contention. I guess there's could be somewhere they're all colors because the cards that you pull out for those goals are random. Right. So there could be somewhere it's all colors and then someone beats you to it. You're and both going for the same color and you might be doing that because of your starting hand and the and the money you had 
I think that tension between having to have the exact amount to pay for things and needing to get rid of two types of things in your hand. Yeah. I really liked that, that puzzle of it and that kind of uh, pacing of trying to go exactly out. And some of those powers, I don't think they're optional on the buildings you have. And they will tell you to draw cards and, yeah, sometimes, and do things. Yeah, some of them are not optional. The price adjustments were optional. And I think the uh, it has the the possibility for, and this didn't happen for us, but like mm -hmm. if you got your goal and went out at the same time, like that's a super fun, like, ah, I win right now. Right. And now it does say that you finish the round. Oh, so I would have a chance. So if you, if you, if you went last, then yes, you, that's what would happen. But if you had gone first in the round, I think even more so in a larger game, I kind of... There's not so much interaction that I think that a bigger play count game would really be all that different. There'd kind of be more right. goals to pick from. Um, I guess there'd be more money available sooner. There's some board wiping that can be There's done. There's some board wiping. So if you kind of wanted something or Didn't want if you're building else. towards a certain color or certain value and someone wipes it and kind of reduces your options, that could be or tough. If you have those three colors in your hand and there's four on the board and you don't want anyone else to get them. Those three colors in your hand. Like, let's say because you have three pink. Like, let's say it's get three pinks. You have three pinks in your hand and there's yeah. pinks on the table. You might want to just wipe the middle of the table so that no one else can get those pinks. Yeah, but I will say for those colored ones, there aren't that many colors and there's a good number of cards. So that's accurate. It, it'd be hard to try to be controlling for that. Uh, was it easy to learn? Yes. I think so. I uh, at first I thought I didn't I couldn't find I mean, the before you found the English rules. Yeah, I, at first I thought that we didn't have the English rules, and Google Translate, the app, will you can turn it'll like take over your camera, and you can point it at I think anything, and it will translate it like through augmented reality right onto the thing. So that's how I thought I was going to have to learn the game. And I was still really impressed with Google Translate. So if you happen to have a game, maybe you get it used or whatever the case may be, that it doesn't come with rules in your language. You might be able to like, I didn't actually learn from that. So I don't know if it was good enough to get board game rules across or if it would have kind of gotten a little confusing. But I was really impressed. Ooh, and I think too, if you had just like, uh individual cards or like just a couple things in a game right. that kept it from being um text independent you might be able to use that just to translate yeah. a card or two enough that you there's a lot of text on this game i think it might have been pretty tough it would well we had the english cards right, right, right but right, i'm right. saying there are other games where it's just like there's just a handful of things that actually have text yeah. on them so it might it might be able to get you through that um yeah, it was easy to learn. And then how did you feel while playing? Oh, I felt like it was an invigorating but re relaxing puzzle. I think I also felt like, I don't know about invigorating, but that, for me, it was that pacing of trying to pick up just enough of this card and just enough of that card that I could end. And it kind of, it's like a harmonization of your hand. Like you wanted to end just right yeah, i like trying to keep knew, everything balanced i knew you were winning and i was still and i still had fun oh okay there's lots of counting that one can use to predict things oh my gosh yeah i wasn't doing any of that to me that makes it sound less fun invigorating and relaxing okay sure sure um so would we we never did get an official seal or even a name for that we talked about a lot of things for a while but would we recommend this game yes 
Yeah. Yes. Full stop. I like I said, I think it kind of I was all Traders of Osaka was already probably gonna leave if you've heard our last. I think that was the board game of the month. We sort of talked about it. Playing this and our Eco Plus, which we're about to talk about, I enjoyed them so much that I think it did kind of push down some other games you know like as you're sort of fitting things and just the the mental list in your mind of what you'd prefer to play what you liked and didn't like it did feel like these kind of inserted themselves a little higher on that range and maybe push some other things down a bit i'll wait till we get to the rico plus to make a a kind of of a comparison of a game that i think we might call because of these oh okay okay well that's basically now let me make sure yeah, we could say who we would recommend this game to, Builders High to. Oh, anyone. I don't think that it was so like complex or so simplistic. Yeah, like that I, don't I would think, push it one way or the other. I don't think like my brother's playing this game, but like if he would, I think he would like it. And because he would be more on the he'd prefer a simplistic game. He wouldn't want a high rules overhead, that kind of stuff. Because not everyone knows your brother. I think he would prefer to just hang out and not play games. Well, that's not helpful. Okay, okay anyways, we're going to move on to our Eco Plus. And this, while in one box, the Builder's High box is about the size of two playing card decks almost. Almost exactly. Almost exactly. The R Eco box has the same width and length, but it's just taller. Yeah. And really, there's two games inside. Rico Plus. That use some of the same cards, but not all of them. In one game... You are trying to play cards both known and unknown, so face up and face down, across four different color groups into these piles. And if we're on the theme, like yeah. this is all recycling. Like, it's recycling types. So each one so of those each color is a type of recycling. Yes. And when you put it in the if you put it in the correct pile, it counts face as up. positive because you've sorted it correctly. Yeah. And if it's face up, everyone knows that. But you can put more things. You only put one face up, right? Yeah. And you put more things face down. First person to put it face down does one. Then the next person does two. Then three. Then four. So you have to have enough cards remaining to play face down. But the face down ones can be correct or incorrect. And if they're incorrect, then it counts against it because it's been sorted incorrectly. And when anyone has gotten rid of all their cards, I think you start with seven, seven. Seven. But you draw... There's some out there's some out there at the beginning. There's some other game and the deck is small. So you do draw yeah. up and you start with so many cards, but you you deplete your hand. So whether we have those numbers right or not, the general idea is you have a small hand to start with. There's a small deck to pull from when someone's out of cards. So you might still have three cards left in your hand easy. It's immediately over. No finishing the round. Yeah, that's right. Um so of the cards they tell you, you know, there's a predefined amount of each of these colors and types that you play in the game. You take a few out, so you know, so no one yeah, knows exactly take four out, so what it's, it's going to be. Perfect information. Yes, you play these cards out in these piles, as we described. So there might be a situation where you only have two cards left. You're trying to go out, but all of the bottom piles, even if you wanted to just dump it irresponsibly, put things there that didn't actually match the trash type, you, they all need three cards. So you can't do that. And then you see the other person has three cards. You're like, oh, I'm going to get stuck with you know probably one right. card left, and then it's. Well, where am I going to place this card? Because when you place the card, if you place a face up card, you take the tile that matches that color. So, yeah, only when you play one face up card, they have a name for it. They call it ownership tile. Yeah. And and it is that you're taking responsibility for the disposal of that group, which means once every once one person is out of cards, you collect all the cards from a given pile. Flip them all face up 
and all of the properly disposed ones are worth plus one, mm -hmm. and all the improperly disposed ones are worth negative two. And then if the whole recycling thing, it's just, is it positive or not? Is it profitable? Kind of like, did you yeah. make profit because you were able to recycle everything, or did you have all this waste that caused you to lose profits? And you get either positive or negative points for that. Right. And there's three rounds, or there, there's, there's actually... I, I mean, it's, an, it's a theoretical infinite number of rounds because you wouldn't, if you played and no one claimed properties, well, three. it would never end. Because the game ends when one of the piles of tiles is, is empty. So mm. each, each pile has three scoring to tokens. The top one is seven points if it's profitable and the bottom of that tile is negative three points. Then it's five and three. Then it's three and three. But you, and you play a set number of rounds. No, I don't think so, because I think... Okay. At any rate, it's... Read the rules. If you play the game... I don't think that we're getting you, it exactly right, but If the you play the game, is, it's going to end in three rounds, or four, maybe. Let's not even worry. There's a number of rounds. But the point is, when you, in the early part of the game, you get a seven, and as it keeps going, they go down? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, but, but this is a super fun mechanic. You can only score one tile for each color. So if I get... Let's say I own red in the first round, and I get seven points. If I win red the next round and I get the five tile, I have to get rid of my seven points. And take the five. But I could, which I did in the game, intentionally take the negative three on the first round in yeah, red. I was planning, planning to win the five red in the next round and basically you have negative. eight net positive. So there's a really interesting and weird scoring mechanic where you get rid of the, like you only keep the last points you score for a given color. Yeah, I did not love that switch. Um, I believe you got a minus three where you had had a seven in the last round. And I believe I there didn't was like it at all. And it was because I said something about how it would work. And you were like, yeah. And then later on, I made a further clarification about how it would work. And then you were like, oh, and you knew that the whole time and said nothing when I was talking about how the game worked. And I was pretty upset about it. And also I, I think had words like, you know what you did were maybe said and also i mean i think in lieu of, in in combination with this i had dumped a bunch of trash in the pile because yeah, you knew what you that's the that's the knowing yeah let's not it is a very interesting scoring mechanic i think it'd be even better with a higher player count yeah because i think that as shown by you in our playthrough two can be like a little vicious it can be hard to avoid because if you can't play stuff on the bottom, you have to play stuff on the top because like right. there's too many cards. You might not have enough. Yeah, you might not have enough. You cards. might not have enough cards. So then you're forced that you're going to have to put something on the top, and you're going to have to take ownership of one of these tiles. When you do that, you take it from the person who has it. So maybe I had the red tile and wanted it, uh, and Aaron also wanted me to have it because it would have been worse for him. But if he has to put down or if what he has left is red and he doesn't have enough red cards to put them at the bottom, he has to put one red at the top. And you can't and put take it. the red tile back from me. And he, that means he'll be forced to replace his higher red value with a lower one. Yeah, so in the last rounds, I had two sevens from the first round, and I was... I was trying not to get them. Yeah. So at the beginning, you're trying to get these really early, but then at the end, you really don't want to own stuff if you've got a bunch of sevens because you're going to reduce your points. And even though you can plan to some extent because you do have a good number of the cards in your hand, you're also going to be drawing up from your little deck and you don't know exactly what's in there. And you can make some guesstimates about how many of what color is left, maybe, but it's going to be imperfect information and it's even more imperfect the more that people play face down. Really interesting for such a small 
box, and this is half of this small box, a limited number of cards game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... It would be pretty easy to teach. Again, you, you'd have the rules. You wouldn't be guessing like we are a little bit right now. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take much time either. Um, I think both of these, we, it was very much like a weeknight Oh, yeah, we played play. in, like, I think we played maybe each of them in, like, 25 okay. minutes, including the learning of yeah. the game. Yeah, I, I think the the question I have for you, and I okay. think, same question after we do the other Rico Plus game, but I think this game is more hidden information driven than the second version that we played. Yes. Better or worse than Hanami Koji? Oh, better than Hanami Koji. I don't, I don't like it. And I think for me, this game. And I kinda don't like it because I play with you. Well, and that's fair. And I would think this game kind of scratches the hidden information mechanic itch for me, but also it's more likely that you would play this game with me. It is more likely, but it's even more likely that I'd play the other game in this box. Oh, I think we should talk about that. Great. So, in some ways, it's a very similar setup. There are still trash to be collected, it's still in the four different color categories mm -hmm. but now you are not trying to conceal information it's that you are sort of sorting things and then picking up things that need to be sorted it's right. kind of the way to think about it so putting the correct colors on top and as you do that you add cards to the bottom and you have to take those cards at the bottom yeah you can put more than one correct color down in a category at a time the number of cards at the top determines how much collections comes into the bottom that you'll have to take. And you, and you have a hand limit and there's an award for like the squeaky clean person. And because if, if you, you go over your hand limit, it just stays like waste in front of you specifically yeah. where you lose points for it. And you get three points if at no point during the game you have to take waste. Otherwise you get one minus one point for every card that you do. And we waste. both took waste. I was trying very hard. I it's, wanted to be squeaky clean. It's hard to be squeaky clean. It is because things kind of get piled up in a way. I feel like every I think it would sort of be everyone staying squeaky clean or no one staying squeaky clean? Well, I kind of think the opposite. I think if both people are trying to stay super squeaky clean, then the the piles that have too many cards get end up getting left and there's just no option and then both of you end up not being squeaky clean. Well, I think that's what I mean. Because oh, if, I, I, I think there's like a, it'd be a slightly co-op thing that no one's letting the piles. Oh, I guess you could play the game co-op like. Listen, it doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that you really should, but I think you both have to be of the same mindset right, right, in right. how you're maintaining those refuge piles because sometimes you would come to your turn and you're like, well, it's it's going to be a mess. Yeah. Um, when there gets to be four cards at the top, yeah. then that gets like wiped. Yeah. You take, it's the same kind of system where you're going to take a card of that color type but now you don't, you can take more than one. It's not like the second one you take wipes out the In value. Fact, you had to take more than one to score that color. Because if you only have one, you won't score it. Right. And the numbers start high and go low, but then randomly seated in there is a negative number, kind near the middle-ish. So right. you're like, everybody wants these numbers, everybody wants these numbers. And at some point for each one of the piles, it comes up negative and then no one's trying to take it. Or you might try to take it because you have the seven and you need and you to need get at least to one score. to score. So you get the negative two and then you score five. Otherwise, you scored zero. Yeah, I think it's two or three. Anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that one a lot more. Yeah, it was fun. 
And it wasn't as much hidden information. It was in fact there's no hidden information. There wasn't hidden information. The the deck of cards is a lot bigger. It's not this smaller selective deck. Right. And there's also cards um in the first game that we talked about. And like if these have different names, it was not clear from the English version of the rules. So that's right. why we're just saying they were a red and green version. All of the cards were single val they just have one unit of right. trash. But when you play the bigger, less hidden information game, bigger deck, less no hidden information. Some you add in cards that have two. Oh yeah, and there could be doubles. Those were really powerful. Right, because you and I think you can put more. Can, you can put more than four in the top. Yeah, you can go you more than four, it. but they just discard them all. But that can be a way because you have this. I think you still have a. Do you still have a hand limit? Yeah, there's a hand limit six. Yeah, yeah. So that can be a way to kind of clear things out of your hands if you get a lot of one color, and it gets strategically. Like there get to be points where you're trying to decide like, oh, I could just put one card down here and take this one waste and then wait or how many cards do I want to put down? How much waste does that give me? What would that then force me to give up? Okay, if I take this waste, I'm going to have to get rid of two cards. Is that actually ultimately going to help me have better uh, distribution in my hand or is that going to kind of wreck or my like, plans if there's only one waste card in a place and you have like three yellows but it's on the yellow negative two you might get rid of your three yellow cards to only pick up one waste card you've reduced your hand by two and that's worth the negative two points yeah i think that the decisions you end up being faced with across different piles with your hand with the values that you might get and with the waste you might have the collections you might have to make like Without, again, a bunch of rules and a lot of overhead, it still gives you these interesting moments where you're trying to see, like, you know, how can I navigate myself through this sea of trash to getting, like, just the points I want and with as little downside as possible. And sometimes sticking the other person with what is likely a tough pickup. So was it good? I think that they were both good. I just... You don't like when I can lie with cards. I don't like deception in almost any form in games and it's it's something that is pretty pervasive you'll see it in little ways where it's uh you're kind of incentivized to mislead and in this there's no miss well there's kind of some misleading because I oh think you can you definitely can, like make it look like you're trying to get blue but really you've just trashed blue and then the other person right takes it because you, get, you there know. were times when i would be putting things down i know what i've put down face down and so i know how much of a risk it is to take yeah. One of these, because we didn't really fully explain the way that uh, it scores. We didn't really fully explain everything, but you might understand the ri- the possible risk and how much you might be able to mitigate it. But there's definitely bluffing. But yeah, I think it's not the worst kind of bluffing, in my opinion, but there's definitely bluffing. Uh, so I still think that's good. I like the other one even more. Because there's no hidden information for me, it's a little more casual. And I think the decisions of how am I going to make this math work out, pretty simple math, but how am I going to make this math work out? How can I sort these to the best of my advantage? I also find more interesting than the other puzzle. Oh, and I I, I like the hidden information one better. And then also for two reasons. One, there's a bluffing element and there's four cards missing from the deck. So it's not perfect information, but it's a lot of good information. Yeah. So towards the end, if someone's bluffing and you can count, you might be like, 
there's no way those are three yellow cards. There's too many yellow cards gone. And then it's like, then you have to kind of be aware, like how aware is my opponent and that's of where, the number of yellow cards remaining? And I think for me, that's just a very happy mind exercise. It is so disappointing to think that nice, good people find that a deceptive mind bluffing exercise is like a relaxing and beneficial place to be. It upsets me so much. And then at the end, it'd be like, oh, you did the thing. Oh, nice. Well played. And it's like a... Yeah. And I think, well, maybe that's my call out and this will be really for the recommendation section. So let me just leave it there. I'll have a call out for that in the recommendation section. So is it good? I think we both did. I think we both liked both games enough to say that they were good. The next question is what makes it unique? I think having two games, two games in one box, I think yeah. two games that are using a, a lot of the, the same, same cards, cards yeah. a lot of the same cards. Like the first one is using a, like a smaller set and different scoring cards. And I, for them both to be good enough games to stand on their own oh. as well. It wasn't just like, well, we threw in this because sometimes it'll just be like, oh, this is the family version. And we just took out a bunch of mechanics and you can kind of use these pieces we've put in this box with more people. But they were two legit good games. I think that makes it unique. I think that the way the scoring and the type of bluffing that happens in the first one felt unique to me. Like trying to understand the bluffing is one thing. I think the thing that I got more into and liked more was trying to understand like how to how to get the scoring right. I, I think really pedantic people will take issue with the way I'm about to use the word unique. Well, then why be that way? Well, I just am. I'm, really, you should ask that of the pedantic people. I think what's... No, I'm asking it of you. I think that there is a... You're the pedantic people. No! <laughs> the, okay. Come on. We got to get... We're so, we're so close. I think a thing that puts it in a, in a high echelon of games is that the theme and the mechanics are very tightly bound. And I think a lot of times you see like games where mm-hmm. there's... Uh, a theme and then you're just you know you could you could have had the teenage ninja, ninja turtles be the theme but here i think in both games the idea that you're trying to limit trash and kind of get things departmentalized and it's eco-friendly i think the theme plays really strongly into the mechanics and it's nice and i think that is more unique among games and i like it i i don't i don't think you needed that pedantic call out there's something i mentioned to you was that in japan i don't know a lot about it but i know that their trash collection is nothing like the u.s where you kind of just throw whatever away anywhere that you want and you know question mark even though some people recycle and some people go really out of their way to make sure they do it properly that's definitely not the cultural expectation in america and in japan it's completely different maybe because they're an island nation because maybe they can't do the right. same kind of landfills because of the way their terrain is and all that. There is very thorough rules about how you throw things away. So these games coming from Japan, I think that theme is makes like even more cultural. There's even more cultural context. Right. If you're actually there. But here it still works. It still makes sense that you are trying to do this. It might just be. Uh, In America, you might be more really in the plant that you would ever be doing this, whereas maybe for the average Japanese person, they're a little more aware of sorting their things out more thoroughly. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the the theme and I like the artwork really in both of these games. I like the artwork being it feels like exactly enough. Yeah. It's not like overcomplicated, overcrowded, too busy. It's very clean. It's exactly enough that you can see everything distinctly. 
it is representing what it's saying. It has a little bit of variation because you're seeing these recycled things and it won't be exactly the same thing on every card, but it's all very similar. Um, yeah, really nice. I think it kind of has like a 90s video game meets comic book vibe. I think they look like, I think both of the covers look like um, anime. Yeah. Yeah. I think that not everyone would like that as a result uh, if you're kind of not into that style but i think both of them look like like a still from an anime and i think that it's the same artist for both of the games as well was it easy to learn were were the two games easy to learn very easy. i think super easy to learn because we played those back to back yeah and, yeah. yeah and i think also even though the rules are different it is this bigger kind of as you were saying thematic idea of yeah we're trying to recycle things and it in one game, it's bad if you do it the wrong way. Wrong way. In the other one, you can't. I'm always gonna like a game that's easy to learn but then complex to play. Um, I don't really matter if it's hard to learn and hard to play as long as it all comes together. Right. I only matter I, to me. It's not really a big deal if it's hard to learn. I think it becomes hard to learn and hard to remember if all of that doesn't kind of sync together when you actually start playing. If it we're looking at you, feel, fields of fields of Arl. Is fields of Arl that bad? Yeah, I just don't like it. It's fine. The rule book, yeah, but the actual playing of it, I think it does. I think sometimes the playing of it is really good because it does all sync together, and then the rules they don't know where to start right. and how to tell you that everything is interconnected in this game. Anyways, and finally, well, almost finally. How do you feel while playing? Oh, I feel, I mean, honestly, they had a very similar feel. I feel invigorated and relaxed. What did I say yeah, before? Is I don't right? know. I think in these small box games, I think in some of the bigger games, the challenges and the themes and how deep you get into them can evoke more unique emotional experiences. And I think in a good way, this didn't make me like, I think either of these games didn't make me feel too much because you don't. I have enough feelings. I mean, there seemed to be a moment where you felt very upset with me. Well, I don't think we can, yes. <laughs> we can put that on the game. Yes, I'm, I'm separating that. And again, I'm going to get back to it in the who would we recommend the game to part still. I think that it was just enough to think about. And it didn't feel like analysis paralysis. I think that's the thing. Yeah, there was it wasn't that heavy. It gave you something to think about, but it still moved along pretty quick it didn't get like boring when it wasn't your turn we just play it too so it comes back to your turn pretty quick fair enough but i think seeing what other people do is interesting and your i think it does help to watch those other turns in both games to kind of see how that is going to come back around and affect your turn like i think it's and to worth count the remaining engaged. cards of all the colors i'm not counting maybe some part of my brain is understanding like that there's a mix of things happening but I think that uh, it's not the kind of game where you would just like completely check out on other people's turns. It won't take that long and it will still be kind of affecting what's going to come back, come back around to you. So would we recommend this game? I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I only wish that, I mean, I know I got these at Gen Con. I know that I saw it. Uh, you can buy it online, even if that means that you would have to buy it from Japan and maybe get it shipped, which is going to be expensive for how small these games are. But like for me, how much I like them, not out of the question, Right, expensive. So I think that's kind of an unfortunate thing about saying, hey, there are these two great games. If you're listening to this in English, there's a good chance that like you're, you're not going to be able to get them easily. Hopefully they show up somewhere. But yeah, would definitely recommend it. And who would I recommend it to? I think the caveat, as I've been referencing for the hidden information part of our Eco Plus is I think it's fine for 
fans of hidden information and deception games to play those games willfully with one another. Yeah. But I think it is very difficult to mix fans and non-fans. And I think this game is still fun for people who are not fans of hidden information, but it's probably not going to be fun to play with people with a mixed group. I feel like that's a common thread in our reviews of hidden information games. It's like, oh, who should play it? People who feel the same way about hidden information games should play right. with each other. But I think there are some that are, the, the whole thing is hidden information. So if you don't like it, like you really, there's no reason to play it. Right. Like if you I, don't like I, hidden information, it's too I big think you're right. in the, the game. The, there's, a, there's, a, there's a place to, there's a space and a place to play this game without being super concerned about bluffing that's still engaging and still fun. Right, right. A lot of times I'll refer to that in our game group. It's like, well, I play it with my sister yeah. because... She's like a good and nice person. I think what and you I'll say usually, is normal. Uh, yeah, I'll usually say that real judgy at, during the time when I'm playing with a couple Slytherins, like when I'm playing with you and Adam, and I'm like, I'm done here. So like, I just, I like, I just don't want to play with any Slytherins. And then everyone can have a casual, nice time where we're not counting cards and trying to bluff the other person's bluff on top of the bluff. I'm gonna stop ranting about that. So I think that part of this. If it were only that game in a box, then it becomes like a harder recommendation because are you going to play with the right mix or not or whatever. With two games in here, I don't think that's true for the other game. No. Oh, I think not at all. And I don't think it would really matter either. Not too much if you're talking about like a gamer who wants to really overthink it and really try to be yeah. perfecting it and try to be architecting the systems. I think there's enough of the cards coming up and everyone having a pretty equal opportunity to make things happen. I don't think any one person has so much impact on the game that they can like railroad it in their favor. I agree with that. So I think it won't really matter if you're playing with deeply strategic players and more casual players for the other game in the box. I think everyone is still going to have a good time. I'm not saying that the strategic players won't still win, but I just don't think they'll, sometimes in those lighter games, those type of players can kind of railroad the experience and yeah. bend it right into their will. And then that's not always super fun for right. everyone. Yeah, I mean, there's certain types of games where if you have an experienced player against, obviously, novice or just like a, a naive... Just like a more casual, yeah. More casual player. Like yeah, if you play, I think it's not... If you're really good at Splendor and then you play Splendor with like people who don't play board games, like they, they basically can't... Well, you know what? I mean, I'm going to have a lot of opinions about this that probably don't need to be in this episode. But I think that sometimes... Too often it gets shortcut into if you're strategic, then you're smart. And if you're not, then you're oh, naive. I think, I, well, I don't, I, I know naive I, relative to the game. I know, I know. But I think that that does happen. And I think that there's can definitely be a split between people who wish to apply that in their casual game time and people who don't. And even people who might want to play like some kind of big game, but still don't wish to apply that kind of strategic thought to that big game. They just want to experience it, enjoy it. They just want to move the cardboard. And move the cardboard and see those decisions and make those decisions, but they don't want to make them with the sort of intensity as if their lives depend on it, if this is the, the contest that will decide everything. So, so to recap, we recommend it. So to recap, we think some different things about games at large, and we recommend both Builders High and our Eco Plus. And now it's time for a Builders Buy. Oh gosh, I didn't, I guess I'll leave it in there. I didn't like it at the beginning.
Thank you so much for listening to episode 133. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, X, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We actually have our call underway, so there should be an episode about that not too far from now. And I think we might do our December game of the month a little bit early so that we can have a game of the year episode, but we'll see if that actually happens. But what will happen in the next episode is Adam and I talking about board game names as band names. Unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 132 more episodes headed your way. The next one being our game of the month for November, 2023. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. <laughs>